0: It's a simple question, what are you living for? Amen. I'm about to share with you from the scripture an answer to this fundamental question. And this is found in Second Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter five, from verse fourteen, rather verses fourteen and fifteen, and it reads: For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the love that you have for us. Thank you because even while we were yet sinners, you died because of this love. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, your grace. Saving us, Lord. Lord, we thank you. Even for this morning and for the entrance of your word that brings light and understanding to the simple. That by this word, Lord, you will bring such a great illumination into our hearts for us to be conformed to your image. Thank you because there will be clarity and understanding and your name shall be glorified. In Jesus' name and the people said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Will you help me ask your, uh, your neighbor what are you living for? Ask again, what are you living for? The scripture that we have read this morning in 2 Corinthians 5 14 and 15 tells us again that the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again. And I said, This morning that I would just love to share a thought with you. And that thought is an answer to this fundamental question of what are you living for? And that answer is simple. Living for Jesus. Let me say it again. Living for Jesus. The world, unfortunately, is what we have today with so many problems because the church Who has the mandate and whom God himself had given the mandate for the solution to the problem of the world has failed. And in one of the main areas that the church has failed is in the area of selfish living. Living for ourselves. And of course, when I talk about the church, I'm sure you understand me that I'm referring to the body of Christ. I'm referring to ourselves. Because we've been living for ourselves, that is why the world is what it is today. And for us to really have any change, we need to go back to the basics, go back to the fundamentals. And that fundamental is found in that scripture that makes it clear to us that after Jesus died and rose again for us, we ought not to live for ourselves any longer, but to live for him who died and rose again. Praise God. And why do we have to live for Jesus? Very simple. That same scripture tells us that his love compels us. His love compels us to live for him. He loved us while we were yet sinners. He died for us. He overcame on our behalf. And we now have this victory that overcomes the world even our faith in him, because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we are more than conquerors, for he loved us because of the love of Christ. Amen. So we live for Jesus because his love compelled us, and not only that, because while he died, at the moment we became born again, As a matter of fact, we have no life of our own again. And the book of Galatians 2.20 makes it abundantly clear that Jesus, that I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Not I, but Christ lives in me. The life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God. So once we are crucified with Christ, we have no life of our own any longer. Therefore, it becomes important that we live our life for him, that's the importance of living our life for him, and not only that, Jesus yens that he be made manifest on earth, and that's why the whole earth groans for the manifestations of the sons of God. Amen. And there are benefits and rewards for really living our life for Jesus. But my thought this morning will really be to examine critically, the meaning of living for Jesus. And in examining critically, the meaning for living with, for Jesus, I will just take us through seven simple, probably we call it definitions or meanings of living for Jesus. Are you ready to go with me? All right. Just very quickly. Because of our time, seven meanings for living for Jesus. Number one, living for Jesus simply means for me, living with Jesus' mind and attitude. And when you go with me to the book of Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. Philippians chapter 2 and in verse 15. The Bible makes it clear. Not verse 15, rather verse 5. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every name shall bow, of those in heaven, and those on earth, and those underneath the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Christ is Lord, to the glory of the Father. This scripture simply tells us what Jesus went through in order to save are uh, you and me? And the scripture tells us that let this mind be in you. So, which means for me to live my life for Jesus, it simply means live with the mentality, with the mind, the attitude of Jesus. And what is the attitude of Jesus? Humility. The man made himself of no reputation, he had all the glory, the splendor, the beauty, everything. With God. It would not be even uh, a misgiving or a blasphemy to say He's God, Jesus is God. But He left all that in order to come in the form of man. And what that simply means to us in the contemporary sense to live for Jesus and have the mindset of Jesus is not only to live in humility. Don't seek for position, don't seek for titles, don't seek. Jesus did not seek of his own, but he came to seek for the will of the father to be done. Amen. So when I want to live for Jesus, either I like it or not, I'll become vulnerable. He left, he became of no reputation in order to be able to face that assignment. So men will take advantage of that vulnerability But it's clear that this is part of the package for us. Amen. Praise God. It's part of the package because when Jesus did this, the Bible makes us to understand that having done this, therefore God also has highly exalted him. There is something waiting for us. Amen. And it takes the hand of God to lift up a man. But God is waiting for such a man that will have that mindset of Jesus and will be like Jesus. And it is only then that we can see the hand of God positively working in our life. Therefore, the first meaning I have given to living our life for Jesus is to live with this mind, is to live with this attitude. So enough of, because back in those days in, uh, in my own nation, you want to talk to someone, he's asking you, do you know who I am? <laughs> okay? And if you dare introduce someone without the title, the chief, the Otumba, the Ashuaju, and all the rest of that, you get the wrath of that person. To be like Jesus is of no reputation. I wonder the kind of title you want to give Jesus, either in the physical or in the spiritual. But we all call him Jesus. So the issue of who you are will not matter. As a matter of fact, we are nothing. Without him, we are simply nothing. Amen. Let me move quickly. Living for Jesus. Number two, living for Jesus simply means living for eternity. Living with the consciousness of heaven. Eternity, realizing that this present life is so short and transient. If you go with me to Genesis chapter 5 and we look at the genealogy of Adam, and in the scripture, we begin to see telling us one after the other, this begat this, that begat that. And I don't know the number of years you wish to live on planet Earth. But I come to tell you that no matter how long you may live, it cannot be compared with eternity. And living for Jesus simply means you are living with the consciousness of heaven. You are living with consciousness of eternity, realizing that no matter what, this journey, this section of life, we're going to transit, and we there is eternity waiting for everyone. And in this genealogy, we found that, that this begat this, that begat that, even when you live as old as Methuselah, 969 years, something happened. They had sons and daughters, and at the end of the day, they died. You see that from... Genesis chapter 5, all true, but Enoch and Noah made a significant difference, and in that they walked with God. So, Enoch and Noah stood out, for they walked with God. The Bible makes us to understand in verse 21, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Metusela. After he begot Metusela, Enoch walked with God 300. Yes, and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch worked with God, and it was not for God took him. And when you look at the case of Noah, too, there was a punctuation, and we began to know, even the sons of Noah, because Noah made a difference. We find out in Genesis chapter six, that Noah also worked with God. What am I trying to say? I'm saying that living for Jesus means that we live for eternity. We make a difference. There are so many people listed in this genealogy and all what we read about them, the fact that they had sons and daughters. And after having sons and daughters, what's the end of it? They died. And nothing again about them. But because this one walked with God, it was recorded that they walked with God. And they meant a significant difference in life. I want to challenge us this morning that we live with the consciousness of heaven. We live with the consciousness of eternity. Please don't live like someone. There is a king in the scripture and in the book of Daniel called Nebuchadnezzar. In Daniel chapter 4 verse thirty, this king said to himself, Is this not the great Babylon? That I have built for my royal dwelling and my power and for the honor of my majesty. While the word was still in his mouth, there was a judgment that was pronounced upon him that your kingdom is departed from you and you shall be driven away from men. He became a beast, a old king, a old king. A lost. The consciousness of becoming a, of being a human being. Why he never gave God the glory. He saw all the accolades, the honor, the splendor of his palace, and felt he had arrived. And his case is not different from that of the rich fool in Luke chapter twelve, verses sixteen to twenty-four, who also said, "I will pull down my barns, I will build a greater one, I will store my goods." I will say to my soul. In that scripture, he said, I will say to my soul. And he actually said, soul, now relax. Eat whatever you have. Drink. Take your ease. Be merry. Amen. You you know, it's not bad. There's nothing wrong in actually planning for your life, for your future, for retirement. Okay, but when you do all this outside of eternity, you are just like this rich fool. And that's why God is calling us again into that consciousness. The moment He said that, the Bible says, God said, You fool, this night, this very moment, that soul that you say you should relax, I will require of that soul. And He died. That will not be our portion in the name of Jesus. So it's important for us to live with the consciousness of eternity. And this is applicable to every one of us. Fathers, mothers, young and old. Praise God. Number three, very quickly. Living for Jesus. This is what we are examining. And I just want to quickly look at the meanings. The way I have listed in seven ways. And we will pray. Praise God. Living for Jesus means... Living sustainably. And when I say sustainably, is actually from the concept of sustainability, which means we live with sustainability consciousness. We are in a world now that the concept of sustainability has become a global issue. Everybody is talking about it in different pro- professions, as it were renewable energy, everything is green. Green housing, green city, green building, green homes. We all want to go green. And it's like returning back to nature. And it's so simple. The reason being that sustainability being defined in 1987 by the Broodland Commission is simply um, a development, sustainable development. is a development that meets the needs of the present without compromising uh, the ability of the future generations from meeting their needs. Now we can define all that. We've built so much uh, doctrines, as it were, you know, around that sustainability. But I believe very sincerely that going back into the scripture, God has always told us this. And in a simple way, it's just you being your brother's keeper. There is nothing more than that because we're talking about sustainability now so that we can preserve the earth if you do not you will find out that the next coming generation will begin to suffer for what they did not take part in you had enjoyed yourself but unfortunately they are stepping in into what into a problem that did not emanate you know from them but living for Jesus according to the scripture is simply living sustainably living in such a way that you have the next generation in mind being a generational thinker being like david the bible says that david in first chronicle uh, 14 2 knowing or realizing perceiving that god has established his kingdom for the people of israel not for himself the anointing that you have received is not for yourself the grace that you have received is not for yourself. He has equipped us for a purpose. And when we begin to realize that, we'll know that living for Jesus will be to live with that consciousness. Amen. And it's so critical. A very bad example is the case of Ezekiah in the Bible. In Isaiah chapter 39, we can read the story there, but I will just simply explain it. Isaiah Chapter 39, and uh, in verse 18, before then, in verse 18, in the book of Isaiah, okay, I will just explain what is here. Oh, not verse 18, verse 8, rather, because it doesn't get to 18. Isaiah 39. We found out that there was a judgment that was passed on to to Ezekiah the king. Before then, we'll all remember that this was a king that the prophet Isaiah came and said, you were going to die. And this guy went back to God, cried and prayed, offered thanksgiving, and God said, you know what, I'm adding another 15 years. Even before Isaiah left the court, he was commanded to go back. Okay. And thereafter, something happened during this extension that people came from Babylon. He showed them all the goods, you know, in his palace and everything in his palace. And when he did that, that upset God. And God said, Ezekiah, what's going on here? Why did you do this? And in verse 5, the Bible says, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your father's house, your father's have accumulated until this day, shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And they shall take some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will be God, and they will be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, I mean, this is amazing. This guy got a judgment of death. He had enough common sense to cry to God. So, which means, i.e. knows God as a God of mercy, God of compassion. And God truly showed who he is by having mercy on him and adding another 15 years. But now came another judgment. And because these judgments are to be that, you know what, Ezekiah? This is going to happen to you because you have committed this error. And look at Ezekiah's reply in verse 8. He said, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he said, at least there will be peace and truth in my days. This is a bad father. Ah, The guy said, my children, another generation will suffer. It doesn't matter. At least I will enjoy. And it it shall be well with me during my time. Whatever happens, they will face it. This is someone living in a selfish manner and just living, you know, for himself. And the truth is, many of us are like this. Okay, we don't care what's going to happen to the next person. It could be as simple as using facilities, going into the restroom and coming out. Do you ever have in mind that somebody else will come there? How have you used it? If you, are, if you want to live sustainably... You want to take care of it and prepare it even for the next person. That's how to live sustainably. The Lord will help us, sir. In the name of Jesus. I remember when we were... That's good, sir. I remember when we were uh, living uh, in Lagos. We are actually occupying two halls in the church. So a time came when the landlord you know, just increase the price astronomically over 100%. And we looked at our budget and we said, you know what, there is no way we can cope. So let's give out one, let's try and fix ourselves, you know, managing one. And the next thing will be, let's begin to plan for our own permanent site rather than spending such money there. And again, looking back retrospectively, we remember that this is a place that was actually in a state of disrepair. When we got it, we fixed everything. We spent millions of naira to really fix something that does not belong to us. And this band now just woke up, jacked up the price, became unaffordable to us. And we said, you know what, we're going to leave. And the man did not even budge. So it came to a time that while leaving, we need to take care of the place. And I told my leaders that, you know what, let's fix everything there, you know. Those things, because uh, the whole uh, was being used by our children. So anything that might have gone bad, let's just fix it, repaint it. They said, wait a minute. With all the things that the man did for us, we're going to fix that thing. I, the only way, why I'm sharing this with you, because I know in the natural, it is difficult. I admit that. It happens to me while discussing with my own leaders. I mean, I need to sit them down again, explain over and over. If our righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, we are not there. We are not there at all. This thing is not easy. They began to give me catalog of reasons. Why we must not do that? It's a wicked man. Is this, Is that. No, no, no. We won't pay that back. Anyway, I succeeded in letting them realize that this is what we need to do. So what I'm just simply saying is that for us to live sustainably, we need to because there will be other people that will still come there to you know have a higher rent the place, and will you know that a church had used here before. Let them come there and say that and pray and bless the church that has used that before, even though we know we have been treated so badly, but that will not matter, our reward is with him. Hallelujah, somebody living for Jesus, number four. Is living in righteousness, in holiness, and in worship. And I'm sure we are so familiar with this. First Peter chapter 1, verses 14 to 16 tells us we need to be holy because he is holy. And not only that, verse 15 says, But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, in all. In how many ways? In all. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And First John 3 verse 7 makes us to realize that we are called into his righteousness. As a matter of fact, it's a righteousness that is imputed on us. Amen. By Jesus. And the anointing at Bethany in Matthew 26 verse six. To 13, gives us a clear indication and example of worship. How this woman just came, broke the alabaster, all you know, just spoiled it on Jesus as a form of worship. And Jesus made us realize in the conclusion of that, that there is nowhere this scripture will be written, that what this woman has done will not go as a memorial. I believe that there is something that you will do that will cause heaven to think And to remember you, not only you, but your generations. David says, I've been young. I'm now old. I have not seen the righteous being forsaken or his children beg for bread. I guarantee you that there are certain things you will do in your own lifetime. That your children and children and children yet unborn will come to benefit. In the name of Jesus. That's why it's important for us to live our life for him. Living for Jesus. Amen. Number five, very quickly. Living for Jesus is living for his service. Praise God. And what this simply means is to be totally dedicated. To totally be dedicated or set apart for God's work. Praise God. In John chapter 20, verse 21. It's clear that our Lord Jesus Christ did not come on his own charge and he has also sent us having been sent by the Father. Jesus said to them, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. We have been sent. It's a time for us to go in his name and for his work. Therefore go ye and baptize the nations. Go ye rather and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all this. And lo, I am with you always. So there's something that we can do to guarantee the continuous presence of Jesus, of God in our life, when we are fully in his assignments. Amen. So living for Jesus is living for his service. Praise God. So we must be willing and ready to pack our load at any point in time and go with pastor. Praise God. That's living for Jesus at any point in time. When we begin to consider that I'm leaving my comfort zone, I'm going to leave there, how will this happen, how will that happen? Our case is not different from what Jesus is telling us in Matthew 16, verse 25. That he who saves his life, you trying to save your life will lose it. But anyone who loses his life for the sake of the kingdom will have it. Praise God. Cast your bread upon the waters. Many days you will find it doesn't make any natural sense. But when we live our life for Jesus, we live for God's service. We know that that life does not belong to you. Maybe I should rewind again. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ lives in me. The life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God. So, the life I live now simply means you have been dead. You have died before. Now, the life you are living now is not your life. So, if the owner of the life now says, pack your load, follow pastor to Thailand. You shouldn't think twice about it. It's not your life. The moment you want to struggle about that, he may decide to take that soul. So what will you want to do about it? I'm not threatening you. I'm just simply saying, let's know that this life is not ours. It belongs to him. Therefore, be willing and be ready at any point in time to give it. Praise God. So that is number five, living for his service. And number six, very quickly, is living a life of significance. Living for Jesus means living a life for, of significance. Praise God. And what does that mean? It simply means that we live a life that impacts others. That's why I was so thrilled. Okay, I'm blessed too. During the week when I came around and we were doing the uh vbs and i saw the excitement in the children and i know this would not have happened without those volunteers can you just help me once again appreciate those volunteers those volunteers (laughs) wonderful the wonderful those children could not thank you okay what would they give to you to express their appreciation but you know something you have done something That will go as a memorial. You have done something that the God that we serve, the Bible says that it will be unrighteous for God to forget the labor of you. And we know God will never and can never be unrighteous. So He's so certain that your reward is guaranteed. Hallelujah. Living a significant life, a life that impacts others. They impacted the kids. And I was sharing with Pastor because the way I see these kids, they would no, with Prof. That the way I see this one, no, they won't go. They will not love to go. Are you sure this thing will end on Friday? Ah, they say either they like it or not. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Amen. A life that impacts others. God is blessing us that we will also be a blessing. Yes. When He called Abraham, He says, "Abraham, I will bless you. Make your name great." And the next thing is that you will be a blessing. So, when we are asking and praying for God's blessing, God is putting a blessing in our hands. He's putting it for a purpose. And we need to realize that. That paycheck is not only for you, even though you may claim that it does not even solve all your financial problems. And it may not, really. But still, inside it, God still wants somebody to be blessed. And God's economy is such that if two, three, four people are praying and asking God for something, probably that thing they're asking God for, God is putting in your hands. And you have received it and say, praise God, this is good. You only need to realize that there are two, three other people, they will come and ask for their goods because God has ordained it so. That's the way it works. And the moment you could release yourself as that conduit pipe... You will never be dry. I say you will never be dry. You keep flowing. You keep flowing. You keep flowing. But when you want to turn that conduit pipe to a container and retainer, that's when it bursts. That will not be your portion. So just give free. Freely giving. Praise God. Hallelujah. Remember the parable of the nations in Matthew 25? Jesus simply saying in verse 35, when I was hungry, when I was thirsty, when I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was stranger, you visited me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you checked on me. When I was in prison, you were with me. And they were asking Jesus, when did this happen? I'm sure if he had introduced himself as Jesus, he would not need to make that request before you do all that. Because those who fail to do too, they ask him, Jesus, when are you naked? It's impossible for you to be naked and I will not close down my wardrobe. He say, when you fail to do it for these ones that you see, you have not done it for me. So, living for Jesus is living a life of significance. Let me show you two examples. One good one and one bad one very quickly. In the case of Dockers, in Acts of Apostles nine thirty six 36 to 42, you could read that, you know, on your own. This woman died. And when he died, widows, many people came around showing garments, clothes, all the things that this woman did in her lifetime. It's like petitioning the apostles. They had to go and call Peter from Jopa. This one won't die. Ah, die. Okay. If this one died, many people will die. oh. <laughs> Anyway, to call the long story short, Pira came, he prayed, Tabitha, arise, and he arose. But this is really where I'm going. In comparison, there was a king in 2 Chronicles chapter 21. His name was mentioned, but I care less about his name. I just want to tell you what he did that was very bad. 2 Chronicles 21, let me show you. And in verse 20, He was 32 years old when he became king. You know, I've not even mentioned his name. You can find out his name. He's not important. Somebody who is not significant, who is not living a significant life, his name cannot be important. So if you find it, good luck to you. (laughs) Praise God. He reigned in Jerusalem eight years, and lo, to no one's sorrow departed. Hi! A old king! died no single person mourning. i'm sure if you have to find that they will say thank god that he died at least next person will come over so it really shows to us compare that now with ducas this man king died what a privilege what an opportunity to be a king to be a ruler but he bungled it he messed it up He never imparted any single life. He died and nobody mourned him. Nobody was sorrowful. I pray that will not be your life. In the name of Jesus. That's why it's important for us to live a life that will impact others. And finally, number seven. This number seven, if you have not had anything that I've said in the last how many minutes? I need to know how many minutes I have left now. Okay? Okay? Like six? Okay. So if you have not had anything in the past 39 minutes, this one you must hear. And I'll probably have six plus two more minutes on this one. Because it's the summary and the conclusion of the matter. I've given you six now. Living for Jesus means what? Living With Jesus' mind and attitude, number one, number two, living for eternity, number three, living sustainably, number four, living in righteousness, holiness, and worship, number five, living for his service, good student, number six, living a life of significance, and number seven, living in love. Amen. Living in what? Living in love. That's the summary And that's the conclusion. And I'm so glad when my brother goodness this morning took us in morning prayer. By the way, if you are not here for morning prayer, I want to recommend that it's good for you to be in church because service actually started then. If you wanted a miracle, you will have obtained one then. I obtained one. Praise God. Because I had more insight. And it began with that Galatians 5.22. And I said to myself, He's already preaching my message. Praise God. That's the summary of it. The fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, um, peace, um, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Amen. And you observe that it is fruit, not fruits. And I'm not going to go into that details again. You've missed, if you were not here this morning. Because he did a serious, you know, analysis of that scripture. Amen. So, what I can bring from that, living for Christ is living in love. And that's who we are. Praise God. That's the, the fruits are just telling us these traits, these spiritual traits, the DNA of the kingdom people. And it's love, and everything is contained in it. Praise God. That's why if uh, you say this is an American, this is a Briton, you know who he is. Okay, you know what he stands for. There are some traits, you know, that are common with some nationals. The Jews, ah, this is a very shrewd businessman. You know. You know, because these are the things that will even, if this is an African in Nigeria, even in Nigeria broken down into different ethnics. You will know that, ah, this ethnic group, they, you can find these traits. Traits like stubbornness, you know what I mean? Arrogance. Love of money, love of women. You know that, ah, he's from this particular area. Ah, we know them. So also, you, we can identify with that, <laughs> praise God. So also, When, you know, the beauty of this really is that, and we need to take note of this. you find out that a lot of people, you know, when we talk about this, they say, well, don't blame me. It's like, this is who we are. But we've forgotten that when we are in Christ, we become a new creature. All things are passed away. In fact, if you ever want to remind me that that is who we are or my family, this and that, is a clear indication that you are not yet in Christ. Being Christ is a new creature. All things are passed away, all things become new. So, which means in this newness of life, there is a new culture, there is a new language, there is a new trait. And it's evidenced in that Galatians chapter five twenty two is love. So, living for Jesus is living in love. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm aware that we may not all be the same. Okay? Because we are wired differently. Okay? We may not all be like Pastor IBK. That I've never seen him being angry. He's always smiling, you know. He's a natural pastor. Maybe Sister Pueblo will tell us whether he's it gets angry or not. You'll be the one to tell us, I really don't know. You all agree with me? Yeah, so I appreciate that we are wired differently. But that notwithstanding, when we're talking about there is something that is common to us all. And I thank God I've found I've had here, it's called the culture of the kingdom and it's love. The language of the kingdom is love. So living for Jesus is really living in love. Turn with me quickly to Colossians chapter three. And we're going to round up very quickly. Colossians chapter three and verse one. The Bible says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on those things above and not on the things on earth. And when you go to verse 12 downwards, oh my goodness, time will not permit to read all. He said, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you must also do it goes on and on verse 17 says and whatever you do in word or deed do all in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him how much more or how else do we express this romans chapter 12 very quickly simply says the same thing in another way how to live like a christian living for jesus verse 9 of romans 12 let love be without hypocrisy above what is evil cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving reference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continue steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to the hospitality. And it ends in verse 21 by saying, do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Hallelujah. Living for Jesus simply means living in love. I want to charge us again this morning that we just live in love. Praise God. That is the summary and that's the conclusion of the whole matter. And I want to guarantee us the moment we are in Christ, the Bible says Philippians 2:13 that it is God who work in us both to do what both to will and do of his good pleasure. So as a roundup, what that simply means is that the potentiality, the ability, the capacity to do it is already invested in us. All what you now need to do is to surrender, is to release yourself for him to do a work in your life. You won't need to struggle about it. You won't need to struggle to love because that is who we are amen that is the christ that lives in us and the moment you are able to surrender that to him it takes over because god is the one who will in you both to will and do of your good pleasure lord i give you my life i give you my soul i live for you alone i'm sure we know that song can we just sing that song as i pray lord i give you my life i give you my soul i'll live for you Lord. every breath that i take every moment i'm way oh yes lord have your way in. can it be our confession lord i give you my life lord i give you my soul shall we rise up and just speak this our prayer i live for you alone alone for you alone every breath that i take every moment i'm with one more time lord i give you my life I give you my soul. I live for you alone. That is what it takes to live for Jesus. For you, hallelujah. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm waiting. Yes, Lord. Have your way. Can we just say it in a prayer? Just one second. Just ask God, Lord. I open my heart unto you. I give it unto you. You own it, but I'm willingly surrendering all to you, that I may live for you alone. I have died and risen for my sake, that I will not live for myself, but I will live for you who died rose again father this is our prayer do a work in us oh God that we will live here and continue to walk in love living for Jesus is living in love fill our hearts with your love in whatever way oh Lord that we might have been wounded when we became vulnerable we know that there is healing in you oh God that you will heal every part of our lives oh God that we will press forward to pursue love and to live for Jesus. Thank you, Father. We give you glory. We give you praise. In Jesus' name and the people said, I love you. God bless you.